This video is actually a combination of two separate videos. The first video will look at why we believe the Holy Spirit. The second video will look at why we believe in God the Father. These videos will be up on our website and I hope that they will be beneficial to people who wanna know more about the South Edmonton Church of Christ and why we believe some of the things that we do believe. I also hope that they will be beneficial to you all just to be reminded of the things that uh, we already know and the things that we can once again reaffirm in our own beliefs. Uh, also in this video, you will find that there are a few songs scattered throughout there. So let us worship the Father together at this time. People often ask me, why do you believe? Why do you believe and follow Jesus? That is when I tell them the reasons I can give for knowing that my Savior with God in heaven lives. Just as the prophets prophesied, he left the tomb unoccupied with angels in his stead. And I believe, I believe he showed himself to witnesses, to those who would attest to his true presence in the midst of them, the many who beheld. So when the people ask me, why do you believe, why do you believe and follow Jesus? That is when I tell them the reasons I can give For knowing that my Savior with God in heaven lives I believe, I believe they preached in Jerusalem As resurrected Son of Man And enemies could not reprimand the truth of all their claims And I believe, I believe disciples suffered sword and flame They gladly bore the pain and shame to magnify the holy name Christ the risen Lord. This one great fact of history I'll cling to all my days, that one day I may see him when with him I am raised. That one day I may see him when with him I am raised. Why we believe in the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes people think that the Holy Spirit is actually a doctrine that came into existence with Christians. However, let's look at the Bible and let's see what it actually says. In Genesis chapter 1, we actually find out that the Holy Spirit was in the very beginning. Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. It reads, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Now, sometimes we miss the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament because we see phrases like Spirit of God, Spirit of the Lord, different things like that. He's oftentimes not called the Holy Spirit. In the New Testament, he usually is called the Holy Spirit. Either way, we see this is the same Spirit, this Holy Spirit of God. He was with God in the very beginning. So from the very first page of the Bible, we see the Holy Spirit has always been there. However, in the New Testament, he serves a very interesting role. In John's Gospel, in John chapter 14, we find out that the Holy Spirit is actually promised to the church. John 14, verses 16 through 18. This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. So here what Jesus is telling his disciples is he's promising that 
they're going to receive another advocate. Yeah, he's with them, and yes, he's helping them at this time, but they're going to receive somebody else who's going to help. That is the spirit of truth, like what's stated in verse 17. We also see that at the end of verse 17, that this Holy Spirit is going to live with the disciples, but is also going to be in the disciples. It's an interesting relationship that the Holy Spirit has with the church because the Holy, the Holy Spirit is with the church, but also lives within the church. So let's look at the fulfillment of this prophecy. In Acts chapter 1, we find out in verses 4 and 5 that that prophecy is stated again. On one occasion, while Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So this is something that even from early on, even before Jesus Christ himself started his own earthly ministry, we find that John the Baptist, he's baptizing people in water. But then from the very beginning of all of that, they were promised that there's going to be someone coming later. There's going to be a different type of baptism. There's going to be something about the Holy Spirit, some involvement of the Holy Spirit that was not uh, involved with the baptism of, of John's baptism. And this we see happening in the church throughout the book of Acts, but even from the very first chapter of Acts. But let's keep reading because there's even more about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, verse 4, we see whenever this completely is fulfilled. And it says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is very interesting because on the day of Pentecost, just a few days after Jesus himself is already, after he's raised from the dead, he ascended into heaven. Well, this happens on the day of Pentecost. So they were filled with the Holy Spirit. However, not everybody was just completely understanding in what was happening. Some people wanted to know what was going on. That's why if you keep reading, you find out this. In Acts chapter 2, verse 14, we read, Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem. Let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And he goes on and he explains that. Verse, four, verse 14 starts off that explanation, and it goes on throughout pretty much the rest of this chapter. However, when we look in verse 16, this is the first thing that he says, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit and explaining the experience that they are having right there. He says in verse 16, No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. And if you keep reading throughout the rest of this chapter in Acts and throughout the rest of the book of Acts, you will find out that the Holy Spirit is completely involved in what the church is doing and the Holy Spirit does great things through the church within the church. And that is why we believe in the Holy Spirit today. All I want, all I wish, all I think should happen to me may not be the will of the Lord. But it's my life, it's my song, it's my story that I'm writing and I think it should be my own. Then I pack up all my dreams and count them
I think should happen to me may not be the will of the Lord. But it's my life, it's my song, it's my story that I'm writing, and I think it should be my own. At least that's how I feel till I see Jesus. At least that's how I feel till I see Jesus on the cross. That's how I feel till I see all he's given me. And then I pack up all my dreams and count them lost. For me, he is writing my song. Now he is the author of my story. He knows the way, the way that's best for me. Why we believe in God. Perhaps this is the most foundational belief of all Christians, but this is something that is so important for us to take a look at. So let's begin at the very beginning. Genesis 1.1 reads, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, it's always been interesting to me that the Bible does not start off explaining to you or giving you a list of reasons why you need to believe that there is a God. It starts off just already with the foundation as if everybody believes that God exists. There's no question about that. And I think that that actually speaks volumes to us today. It's not been until kind of more recent history, really, that people have started questioning, is there a God at all? You know, sometimes in history, people have not necessarily believed in the God that's revealed in the Bible, but they believed in some type of God, some type of higher being. That's why in the Bible, it starts off just in the beginning. God created. And then we already see that this, this God that starts off, he is the creator. And we will continue to find out throughout the Bible that he is also the sustainer of everything. But the Bible starts with a foundation that God exists. There's no question about that. But what about us today? Do we ever want maybe a little bit more? Like, why do we actually believe that there is a God? Well, let's take a look at some other passages that speak about this. In Romans chapter 1, we find out that some things about God have been revealed just by creation, the, the world around us. In Romans 1 verses 18 through 19, we read, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness, since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. So especially in verse 19, you know, verse 18 is talking about this wrath of God, but yet in verse 19, it says there's a reason for that wrath. And the reason is they already knew. They, they knew that God is because he's already made these things plain to them. God has most certainly made these things plain to them. Well, how has he made these things plain to, to them? Well, the next verse tells us. Romans 1.20 reveals to us that the power and the divine nature of God can be seen even by creation itself. Romans 1.20 reads, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So even the scripture itself tells us that creation, just by looking at creation, 
anyone should be able to see something about the nature of God. Now, I will give it to you. You can't just look at nature and see everything about God. There are some things about God that you can only find out by reading his word because that's how he chose to reveal it to us. However, there are some things we can find out about God just by looking at the world around us. We can find out about his qualities, at least some of them. Specifically in this text, we find out about his invisible qualities, one that we can't really see, but yet we can know from creation, and that is his eternal power. How does creation reveal his eternal power? Well, because all of creation exists, we know that there has got to be some power greater than creation itself. Unless, of course, you believe that creation just invented itself. That doesn't exactly make a whole lot of sense to me, and I think it does make sense that there is an eternal power that started it all. We also see something about his divine nature, and that is that he is outside of nature. That's because he doesn't fit into any of these categories that we have for nature. No, no, no. The God that created everything around us, he has eternal power. He has a divine nature. There is something different about him as opposed to us. And people are without excuse because creation itself reveals who God is to us, at least some things about who God is to us. Now, specifically, God even has a more specific relationship with us, and that is that he is our father. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 13, we read this. To those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. See, this is why whenever we talk about God and whenever God is spoken of in the scriptures, many times he is just referred to as our father or the father. And here in this passage, it speaks about how we are children of God. That's why we can call him father. In fact, he's not only our father, but he is literally the father. He is the creator of everything. So he's the father of all. He's the starter of all. He's from which all things come. I think that's about as many different ways as I can put it. But we ourselves, this type of child of God is different. Being children of God, it's not some natural descent like verse 13 says. It's not of a human decision, not a husband's will. It's not any type of natural thing, but it's being born of God. That's what God invites us into. It's a wonderful relationship where we can actually call God, the creator of all things. We can call him our father. Come without money, come without price. Jesus has made a great sacrifice. Gladly he suffered our Calvary. He the great call, salvation is free. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and come unto me. Here's his call so Oh, shall 
save you from sin. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and call unto me. Here's his call so tenderly. Incline thine ear and call. Why do you wait? Why linger so long? be closed, sad it will be to find no repose. 